Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. I'm joined by Attorney John Malk with the Malcolm Baker Law Firm in Chicago. Malcolm Baker has been representing individuals, families, businesses, nonprofits, and religious institutions, particularly churches, since uh, 2001. We're going to be discussing several issues of legal and legislative interest. But, John, let's start with uh, Chicago shutting the door on evangelism at Millennium Park. Tell us about this case. Yeah, this is uh, shocking and uh, surprising. Millennium Park is the number five tourist attraction in America. So people are coming from all over the Midwest and, and the world to see the bean. And this is a place where evangelists and others who want to communicate, give their message, hand out literature, want to come to tell people about Jesus and, and, and other matters. Public parks are a traditional public forum where everybody's free to talk and exchange their views. But Chicago decided that they would contrive a building. And it's an imaginary building, Monty. There are 11 imaginary rooms. They've divided this 25-acre uh, park into these so-called rooms, quote-unquote. And in 10 of them, First Amendment activities are not allowed. You're not allowed to hand out free literature. You're not allowed to make speeches. And so uh, this kind of came out of the blue. Uh, we're we're expecting that they, they didn't want a certain political discourse. They didn't want uh, religious discourse. And so they've barred it. And we've filed a lawsuit in the federal courts uh, to allow uh, the evangelists to come and, and speak. Well, let's make it clear. This is a taxpayer-financed public park, right? Uh, totally. <laughs> and it's been a public park uh, for as long as anybody can remember since since they they built Millennium Park. And actually when Mayor Rahm Emanuel was mayor and he started he started this, uh, he had a brochure out say, saying, Welcome to Millennium Park, Chicago's town square. So it was intended to be a place where there would be a discourse, exchange of ideas, speeches, uh, literature handing out, and the, the kind of wonderful ferment that a democracy entails. But uh, later on in his administration, he decided to change course, and now it's illegal in 10 of these 11 rooms. Of course, these rooms don't keep you out of the rain. <laughs> uh, you, you can't run, run into them. And it's my understanding that they're kind of off the beaten path uh, for where a lot of the tourists would congregate. The one of the eleven that's allowed is at a busy is at a busy intersection, but that's not necessarily where you want to evangelize because people are rushing by and it's hard to to get people to stop if you want to do street drama or give a speech or hand out literature. The main point isn't is that government shouldn't be deciding in public places uh, except in particular circumstances, what's allowed and not. After all, the evangelists can't go into the hotels. 
and hand out literature. They can't go to the restaurants or the businesses uh, or the art institute or, or any place else. So one of the few places that we have the freedom to communicate person to person and, and talk to people is the public square, the, the public parks. And to take that away is uh, trying to close in one of the last remaining areas for person-to-person -person contact, kind of push everything onto the Internet or uh, out of the public view. Well, do the rules apply to everybody? The rules that have been promulgated are not just against evangelists. They're against all First Amendment activity. So if you want to give speeches, hand out literature, go around and get a petition or, uh, for a referendum signed, uh, they're going to tell you to leave. And it's, it's to push everybody out. And really, there's, there's no serious reason for doing this. There hasn't been any disorder or riots or, or anything. It's, it's been very peaceful, and people have done this from time immemorial. And if people got out of hand and were harassing or, or blocking or pushing people, of course the police can intervene. And you don't need these rules saying no, no speeches. In a way, I can understand the Park District. They want to maybe keep out some real nutcases and, and true hate groups and stuff like that. Can you kind of understand that? No. <laughs> Not at all. There are plenty of laws uh, where if people are threatening others, uh, they can be arrested. And so you don't need to have an outright ban. As far as hate groups, we know that uh, today's dissent may be tomorrow's hate group, uh, simply because you say marriage should be between a man and a woman, and this is what God has provided. Uh, if you're labeled a hate group, would you like them to have the right to say, well, hate groups can be excluded? Because next thing you know, you're going to be part of that hate group. What legal outcome would you like to see? We'd like to see the court enter an order saying that the portion of the rules that prohibit uh, speeches and handing out of free literature is unconstitutional and not enforceable. And to make that a final ruling, uh, thus allowing freedom to return to Millennium Park. John, let's talk about a couple things happening in Congress. Democrats want a law put in place that would eliminate the tax-exempt status of organizations that the Southern Poverty Law Center deems to be a hate group. Boy, this just seems like it goes against w what America stands for, and is this legal? Well, it, it's legal if they pass a law, you can say there's a law. And then you have to ask, is that law in accordance with the Constitution? And as you, as you formulated, Monty, the government cannot delegate to some group like the Southern Poverty Law Center, which itself is essentially a group filled with hate. I don't know if that makes them a hate group, um, but you're certainly outsourcing. They don't like a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're outsourcing uh, government responsibility. So I, I don't think that type of legislation will go anywhere, but it's designed to intimidate people 
like Illinois Family Institute. Let me turn it around. Is Illinois Family Institute uh, being intimidated by being labeled a hate group? I don't think we're being intimidated, but it does bother us. No one wants to be called a hater. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, uh, that's that's exactly right, and and for government to then gang up for political reasons and mislabel people because Illinois Family Institute and many others that are a termed hate group. I haven't had the honor of Malcolm Baker yet to be a, a, a label a hate group, but we're trying to love, speak the truth in love to our society and to each other and talk about Jesus, and that's, that's not hate unless you feel threatened because your agenda uh, may not comport with what we see as God's agenda of love for our nation. What would you say to uh, folks who are listening and viewing about this legislation, what the public should be doing? Uh, should they be contacting their lawmakers about this? From your legal perspective, what do you think? I think the idea of contacting lawmakers is always fine, but probably not that effective. Most of these lawmakers are pretty well set in their views, uh, whether they be pro-civil rights or anti-civil rights or pro-freedom of religion or anti-freedom of religion. Uh, what's important is uh, get them out of office, of those who want to, to do these things, so rather than trying to convince them vote against them and take the emails you get from Illinois Family Institute or Malkin Baker newsletter. You can go to Malkin Baker and sign up for our free newsletter and pass it on to others who want to be informed and, and want to know uh, who to vote for. And, and uh, I, I just saw I, Illinois Family Institute had a, has a great brochure out. What are the platform policies of the Republicans and Democrats, and you've just taken the actual language. You're not, uh, you're, you're not spinning it, taking their actual words and putting them there for people to decide. And I think when people look at that, they will say, I want to get this information out to others because it's, it's so important. It's not remote. It's, it's uh, issues that affect life and death. The Supreme Court is considering whether federal discrimination laws protect gays and transgender workers. What do you see as the implications uh, for businesses, Christian schools, religious institutions, uh, faith-based organizations, cake decorators, photographers, etc.? Well, uh, there are a lot of implications depending on how the court rules. The, the discrimination issue is particularly important for, for women because if you start saying that people can choose their identity, we, we know already and we've seen it in certain states that men are, who are imprisoned in a men's prison will say, I'm a woman, and they want to go to a woman's prison either because the conditions are nicer or so they can uh, hit on the female inmates and not ha have that problem. And men who think they'd make a great Olympic sprinter but aren't fast enough to make it as a man uh, will decide that they're a woman and uh, they'll beat all the women and and our women are, are going to be pushed pushed back. And uh, that's, it's serious against them and there are all sorts of other 
probably unintended consequences that we need to realize will, will flow from allowing people to name their own gender rather than using biological markers. I'm particularly concerned about children. Children will be forced into roles. There is gender fluidity. That's what all of the experts are saying now, that people uh, do change their orientation. And we have, we have rules that seem to allow people to change their orientation as long as it's towards homosexuality or towards transgender. But actually here in Illinois, we have a law that says no licensed counselor can counsel somebody who isn't comfortable with their same-sex attractions and wants to go straight. So you can, you can go gay, but you can't go straight. And this is what our government is telling us. And, and we need to wake up and say, we don't want a government that's going to hurt people that way. I'm Malcolm Baker is part of a lawsuit challenging the Illinois law that bans sexual attraction therapy. Well, we haven't filed the lawsuit yet. There's a couple lawsuits that we would like to file if we can get, uh, if we can get enough financial backing and enough co-sponsors and, and witnesses. But we do have some great ones out there, like the Millennium Park one that you, that you discussed. And we've got a lawsuit uh, in the works for an Illinois judge who was not allowed to continue on the bench because he refused to do gay weddings for religious reasons. And they said, for your religious reasons, uh, you're not going to be retained as a judge. And he got pushed off. So um, stay tuned for that one. Well, that's just a judge. But that's happening all over the place in Illinois, wouldn't you say? Uh, people whose jobs, they're not getting promotions, or they're being discriminated in the workplace because of their religious beliefs. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly the intent of some people behind this legislation. Uh, some people think, well, we have to help people who are discriminated against because they have uh, same-sex attractions. That's pretty much been solved by legislation, and there's really not that much more to be done in those areas. But what has to be done is an accommodation for people like us who say, this can be very harmful to people, same-sex uh, uh, marriages, same-sex relationships, homosexual lifestyle. It's not only unbiblical, but it's harmful to society and it's harmful to those people. Now, they're free to continue in those, but they, they can't force or they shouldn't be able to force uh, people who say this is wrong, uh, this is harmful shouldn't be able to force them to salute their flag. And that's exactly what's happening. It's not a question of gay-lesbian freedom. It's a question of gay-lesbian imposition on the rest of society and on our children and on our bakers and on our wedding photographers and eventually on all of us, this political correctness that you must salute the gay-lesbian flag. How do we fight back? What do we do? <laughs> well, we can start by fasting. We can start by repenting and saying, do we have the right attitude? Do I, Lord God, have the right attitude towards these people who are wounded and hurt and are, are, are really, in a way, crying for help? Now, some of them are, are angry and hateful, 
but anger and and hate can can often be a cloak over seeking to know God. The Apostle Paul had that very issue. He was murdering people and hauling them into jail because they were following Jesus and he wanted to be a righteous follower of God. And so we have people in our society that are that way. So get our hearts right so that we can weep over the brokenness of those that are trying to hurt us and then come together with other believers to say, how can we corporately lift up Jesus and help people see the right path, not just that they're on the wrong path, but that there's a greater way. So there's multitudes of ways, and I think people need to sort out, first of all, am I going to be involved, rather than hide under their pillow or put their hands over their ears and say, it doesn't concern me, or what can I do? And just find out what is your particular role. Is it going to be evangelizing? Is it going to be supporting uh, Christian ministries like uh, Illinois Family Institute? Is it going to be political activism? Uh, We don't have to do everything, but almost everybody should be doing something. I don't care if you're stuck in a nursing home and you can hardly move. You can say, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one, and lift up God and praise God and say, God, you're in control with this. Uh, help John Mauk, help Monty Larrick. <laughs> I'm not exactly what you said there, but I'm going to give it an amen. <laughs> anyway, this is uh, Illinois Family Spotlight. Uh, We'll continue our conversation with attorney John Malk with the Malk and Baker Law Firm in Chicago right after this. Should we force doctors to remove healthy organs? For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Despite many encouraging victories for religious freedom at the Supreme Court, the cultural consequences of the sexual revolution continue to bring new challenges. The Little Sisters of the Poor forced back to the Supreme Court by the state of Pennsylvania over the HHS mandate, even though the court already sided with the sisters. And in a lower court, a California woman seeking to transition is suing a Catholic hospital for discrimination because they refused to give her a hysterectomy. Catholic Church teaching forbids removing perfectly healthy wombs for anyone. So claiming discrimination seems, well, strange. A California appeals court sided with the woman, a ruling which, if it stands, would not only mandate hospitals to begin amputating healthy organs based on the wishes of a patient, but would directly impact the ability of a Catholic hospital to follow the dictates of its faith. Look, Christians founded hospitals and modern health care. This sort of thing could end it. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Monty Larrick here, joined by attorney John Malk with Malcolm Baker Law Firm in Chicago. John, where are you located? If people want more information about uh, what you folks are doing, uh, where can they get it? Well, we're, we're located at 1 North LaSalle in the heart of the loop, but it's probably easier to go on the Internet. And Malk Baker, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R uh, dot com, and uh, visit our website and see what we're doing and how we can help you and what we stand for. John, earlier we talked about uh, the Supreme Court uh, considering whether federal discrimination laws protect gays and transgender workers. Well, the U.S. House has passed what proponents call 
the Equality Act. You know about it. But a number of conservative leaders and people of faith uh, contend that the Equality Act is the greatest threat to religious liberty in our lifetime. What's your take? Well, as long as these acts do not have exemptions for religious believers, they're just really not about protecting equality, but they're about imposing uh, viewpoints on people of faith, not just Christians, but uh, uh, observing Jews, uh, Muslims, uh, many even agnostic people of, of conscience will not be allowed to express views or to live out their views and will be required to conform to the so-called e- equality despite their conscience. So it's, it's, it's riding roughshod over our religious beliefs and conscience. Would churches, Christian schools, etc., have any legal recourse? Yeah, well, right now the law is pretty good protecting churches and uh, Christian schools and, and institutions in, uh, concerning the right to hire. The I- idea is to roll that back, the Equality Act and, and, and others, is to remove those protections, some of which are legislative and others are constitutional, protecting our, our, our churches and religious organizations from government, but they're being eroded and attacked on every level. Well, the proponents of the Equality Act would say uh, those protections are a license to discriminate. Well, uh, it's, it's just a misuse of words or not a deep understanding. It's not an invidious discrimination. Of course, it's a choice to say, I, I don't want to bake a cake uh, for a gay wedding because I love gays enough to say your behavior's wrong, it's harmful, and if I'm going to bake a cake celebrating your wedding, I'm going to be mixing my messages. I really love you enough to speak the truth in love to say you shouldn't be doing it. You can go ahead and get married. And in fact, uh, the Christian baker, as an example, would say, here's another baker who will bake a cake for you, but don't ask me to do it because I love you enough to tell you the truth. And the idea of that's discrimination really, I think, goes to to John chapter 3, which says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, speaking of Messiah Jesus, but the world hated the light because it exposed their deeds of darkness, and so they've come against it. And that's what we're seeing play out in this type of legislation. It's really a spiritual battle. So people need to both be praying and fighting and educating uh, all out and, and, and be joyful about it because it, doesn't the word say this, money Count it all joy when you have various trials and temptations for God's working in your life. Uh, yes, it does. I'll answer the question. Well, yes, it does. And, you know, before we began recording, you said, uh, look, we got to remember who created the world. <laughs> and all an almighty and all-powerful God, and he's in control. But you look at what's happening in Illinois, your law firm defending a nurse or representing a nurse in Rockford uh, who's suing Winnebago County. She was a fine nurse, Sandra Rojas, right? Yes. And 
she was forced out of her job because she didn't want to be involved in abortion-related activities. What's the status of her case? And then we want to go a little bit deeper in what's happening in Illinois on the abortion front. Yeah, well, she's won her case on the trial level, but the, uh, the state is, and the county are fighting rear guard actions to uh, uh, continue the case because there, there's uh, several lawsuits on the, on the same issue, and there's the right of appeal, and the, the, the city is, I mean, the county is, is not trying to settle the case, but is trying to push, push, because they, they've got government money, and they feel if they can push people long enough, they'll, they'll either settle or go away, or other people that they want to push around will be intimidated and afraid to stand up. So that's, that's part of all of the, I guess you could call it, anti-God agenda or anti-light agenda. And we just have to continue to keep fighting it, speaking the truth in love. Well, her right to refuse to participate in abortions and is protected under the Illinois Health Care Right of Conscience Act and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act here in Illinois. But the state has essentially altered the Health Care Right of Conscience Act through Senate Bill 1564, which forces, for instance, pregnancy resource centers to promote abortion, to give abortion referrals. A court out there blocked enforcement of that, but our Attorney General, Kwame Raoul, is defending the state law. What's going to happen? Ultimately, uh, given the makeup of the Supreme Court and Supreme uh, U.S. Supreme Court decisions, the pregnancy centers should prevail and not be required to give abortion referrals. But what's what's really at stake in the next presidential election is is uh, is that viewpoint on human freedom. Because some of the judges would say, "Well, now that abortion is the law." And we've passed a law, then everybody better salute, and those pregnancy centers will, will lose that freedom and, and others. So the, uh, the election and the appointment of originalist judges to the Supreme Court is hugely consequential to our society. And it's just not the Supreme Court judges. It's the lower court judges that we need to be concerned about, too. Well, yes, and uh, there are a lot more conservative judges being appointed these days under the Trump administration. Hopefully, there'll be, there'll be a remake. But it's not all just about law. It's about society. Ultimately, we can have all the laws in the world, but if we don't have people who are serving God, who are praying, who are getting saved, um, that's not going to stand. What we need is people to be told about Jesus, to be shown how to come to Jesus, to be discipled, and to bring others to know him. And then you're going to have a righteous society. You won't have all of these battles. Our legal battles are, are just trying to slow things down and to show that there is an ultimate authority. And that's one of the things in the law that's a real problem right now is people think that the law is the ultimate authority when we know that God is the ultimate authority, and law, just law, derives from God, not from 
a bunch of people in the Senate or the House uh, deciding what they want to do to remake society in their own image. Just think of how many problems we could solve if more people would come to know Christ right here in Illinois. Yeah. Well, amen. Amen. And, and so let that, let that be a huge focus. Well, this law in Illinois is similar to uh, a law that was declared unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court, the California law. What's the difference between the California law and the Illinois law? Why is Illinois defending our abortion referral law when it was thrown out in California? You want the straight answer, I assume. <laughs> there is no difference. It's basically the same. There's, there, it's, it's hard to distinguish and not really distinguishable, but Kwame Raoul, for political reasons, and uh, the state of Illinois, for political reasons, wants to continue to fight it, and they're they're going to they're going to lose, but uh, maybe as I said before, they can intimidate enough people to know that you're going to have to go through a long lawsuit and and uh, have the stress and and possible expense of defending this. Why don't you just go along and be a nice a nice citizen of our grand new utopia? where everything is... Why don't you just cave in? <laughs> yeah, okay, amen. What advice would you have to the workers in a pregnancy resource center? If this injunction is lifted, for instance, what would you say to them? Throughout history, not just in the, in the Bible times, but throughout world history, believers have faced martyrdom and, and lesser repercussions uh, because they refused to deny Jesus, refused to uh, follow Caesar. And it, it happens all over the world even now. We have to set our hearts. If we're afraid of losing a little income or having to get a different job or, or being ridiculed, shame on us. Uh, we need to be willing to stand and, and risk our lives for the truth because we love God and because we love other people. But that's, that's what you have to, have to ultimately do. And now there are lesser strategies, like you say, for a, uh, an employee of, of, of a clinic. You know, we get, get good counsel from your pastor, from your Christian lawyer, from your employer. There are ways to fight back and be energized and say, look, I must be saving lives for, them, for the devil and uh, to be that mad at us that they would want to uh, do these uh, abortion referrals and, abortion referrals and under, underhanded yeah. tactics. Do you see any way that Illinois' sweeping new pro-abortion law, what proponents call the Reproductive Health Act, can be overturned? Well, uh, yes, there's, there's several lawsuits uh, simmering to to challenge various portions of it. the law is is, is far-reaching. Uh, what Malcolm Baker would like to do is file a lawsuit on behalf of the children themselves who are being aborted and the state is paying for their death. The, the, one, of, one of the recent laws, and there were actually two uh, new abortion laws, uh, one under Rauner and one in, under Pritzker, uh, but the state of Illinois is paying for 
women who can't afford an abortion and is paying for women who work for the government uh, will terminate your pregnancy, will kill your unborn child, and will pay for it. And those women are not fit to represent the interests of their child. And so we, uh, we have been planning and praying for a lawsuit, which would be different from the other lawsuits that are being planned. Our lawsuit would be on behalf of these children saying they need representation. The U.S. Supreme Court has already ruled about 10 years ago that abortionists could represent underage girls and argue their right for abortion because the underage girls couldn't speak for themselves and their parents might not uh, agree for an abortion. So the abortionists could stand up there. What we're arguing and want to argue is that IFI, pro-life clinics, we have uh, pediatricians and uh, obstetricians who are ready to join, but we need funding and we need prayer uh, for that particular uh, litigation, but I think that that goes to the heart of it. Do these people, because they're people once they're conceived, they may not be born, but they're human beings created in the image of God, and they have as much right to life, we believe, as, as anybody else, and we should protect that at least against government and, and to, to establish that right of standing, which is a, is a legal issue, uh, to go to court is what we would like, like to do. But this is expensive. You talk about how the state fights, well, they'll fight uh, that lawsuit demonically. So we, we can't go off to litigate without planning, as Jesus said, if anyone's going off to war, you've got to count your troops. And in this case, we've got to count our dollars. IFI has been helpful, actually, in helping us find some people who would stand as, as plaintiffs. Well, if somebody's listening out there, what can they do to help move this case forward? Well, I certainly can pray, go to our website, and, and, and see some other uh, resources that, that we have there. But we need somebody to write a big check. And I don't know who that somebody is. If there's somebody out there, can they just give you guys a call? Yeah, sure. Well, Malcolm Baker is on air, uh, Lawyers for Jesus. Uh, You're on, what, Saturdays and Sundays, and you're online. Tell us. And and, and we're on every day, actually, on WYLL, uh, 2.30 and 6.30 on weekdays, 12.30 on Sundays, and dance around on the dial on Saturdays. If Northwestern isn't playing football, we may be on at 2.30. They, they move us around. But uh, you can also go to our website or to WYLL website to join in this battle, just like you're doing, Monty. Remind folks how they can get in contact with Malcolm Baker. If you, if you need a law firm that's going to have your best interest at heart, how can people get in touch with you folks? The easiest way is to go to the website. MalkBaker.com, M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Thank you. Attorney John Malk with Malcolm Baker. Tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback 
at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize. 